Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Baseball isn't boring, especially when you have players that you're not quite familiar with. Yes. The unknown, yes, the rookies, yes, the prospects, all of those. These are the guys that have become probably the most popular talking point of any players in baseball. That's just how it works. We know what we have in the superstars. We know what we have in the guys who have been around, but we don't know what we have in the what-might-be prospects. And that's why this podcast today of Baseball Isn't Boring, by the way, subscribe, rate, review, most importantly, listen by the shirt, by the book, by the sweatshirt, whatever you do, do it. Join the baseballs and boring cause. As you heard, Chaz Chisholm just jumped aboard. Very exciting. Trevor Story, that podcast was electric yesterday. But today we have on Sam Dykstra, MLB Pipeline. 
the perfect guy to have on this time of year where we're trying to figure out who exactly should we identify as the next stars for 2023. In other words, who will be the rookie of the year? Who will be the runner-up for rookie of the year? Who will be the guys who will actually contribute? Who has the farm systems that will help sustain some of these programs that everyone's talking about. When you sign a big guy, you need the young guys to filter in behind them. When you have a low payroll, you need the young guys to keep you afloat. All of that. Well, there's no better person than Sam to break things down, to actually give us what's what when it comes to the guys, the names that you should know to actually look smart heading into the 2023 season. So, you're welcome. Sam Dykstra, MLB Pipeline, the guy to go to, one of the guys to go to. There's a lot of guys who do this very, very well, but few do it as well as Sam. And he has all the ratings, all the reviewing, and he picks, yes, he picks your Rookie of the Year. All right, it's a good lesson. Once again, subscribe, rate, review. We got them coming all week long, all month long, all year long, all season long. We'll keep them coming. Hope you enjoy. Today is a good one. Sam Dykstra. All right, baseball isn't boring in large part because young baseball players are really, really good these days in the Major League. Sam, what's going on, man? Hey, Rob. Thanks so much for having me for this. Oh, my goodness. Oh, listen. So you were just a young buck, an intern for me, not for me, for our organization, but I knew that you had it in you. I could see the cut of your jib that you were going places, and sure enough, how many years have you been at MLB Pipeline now? Uh, Since March 2012, I've been working for MLB. I've been covering minor league baseball since then. I've been doing pipeline stuff for the last three years. Okay, so you found your niche. Congratulations. I told you, we're the niches (laughs) and the riches, my friend. Yeah, I I was initially applying to jobs after working for you guys in Boston everywhere. I was applying to jobs like in South Dakota to cover high school sports. Minor league baseball found me, and I've been here ever since. Okay, so let me ask you this. In your time, you're still a young man, but in your time – the interest in minor leagues has always been there, right? But a lot of times I feel like it was more the bigger markets and maybe the bigger fan bases. But now I think everybody sees that it, that this is the, the, the minor leagues, the future, the, the, the players who aren't in major leagues uniforms. They're just as interesting, if not more interesting. And, and when did this turn? I mean, has that turned for you? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a snake eating its tail, right? Like, there's more knowledge of the minor leagues than ever. There's more coverage of it. There's more people searching this stuff out because it's available. MILB TV is better than it's ever been. It's easier to watch minor league games. It's easier to follow these guys. It's easier to have your own opinions on prospects. And that's what generates interest in prospect lists, is you want to find out where your guy ranks and what you think we got wrong. I mean, that's like most of our replies to our prospect lists are what we got wrong and i love the conversation because it means people care and it's been huge i don't know if i can pinpoint like an exact time and when that switch but definitely within the last five ten years it feels like every year it gets more and more interest okay so uh, you, you since you're you led me down this road um give me one guy you got really right and one guy you guy you got really wrong over your tenure oh man uh one guy i'll say i got really right and i know he's not as an ace like he used to be but i remember when blake snell got good okay when blake snell we started to talk to him when he was in the Rays organization at the lower levels. And this he was one of our favorite guys to talk to because he, he would love breaking down his game. He would love seeing what he was working on and, and was very outright about it. He was throwing no hitters. He was getting strikeouts at great rates. He was our, like, minor league pitcher of the year. And then all of a sudden he wins the Cy Young. And, like, it was great to see that progression because he wasn't a first-rounder. He wasn't, like, a big name coming into the, into the pros. So to see him break out the way he did and see that kind of go across um, – 
who did we get wrong? I mean, the one that like kind of comes to mind is Jared Kelnick recently. I know he's had a great spring. Right. And he's like younger than a lot of the guys we have in our top 100 list, but we thought he would be a superstar day one. I mean, we blew out. Well, so did the Mariners. Yeah, and so did a lot of people yeah. in baseball. And he just he struggled to hit, and that's kind of dragged down the rest of the profile. He could still turn around, but like as of right now, we had him as a top five prospect in the game, and he isn't performing to that level. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I was looking at him recently. Well, we had Jerry Depoto on the podcast just like a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about that. And, and you know, like you said, I mean, the Mariners got it wrong, but it, it's not over. It's just some people do it on their own time, and and it's encouraging that what he's doing in the spring, and maybe he's figured some things out. But you know, I looked at the timeline. We 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 match up timelines. We were just talking about this on the broadcast. I was just on with Marcelo Meyer. Okay, when Marcelo Meyer is might enter the major leagues, and Marcelo Meyer, of course, is a shortstop prospect for the Red Sox, first round, fourth overall pick a couple years ago, um, and and so if you compare him to other shortstops who were first round picks out of high school. Bobby Witt Jr. Mm-hmm. and Corey Seager. Bobby Witt Jr., if you match them up, then basically would would put Marcelo Meyer in the major leagues in opening day next year. If you're doing the Seager, it would be August of next year. Same thing with uh, Kelnick, which is Cassis, Tristan Cassis gets drafted in uh, high school in that draft. Okay, when when does it match up for them? That's sort of an interesting phenomenon. I'm like, and, and when you kind of, when you guys tr- sort of project where guys are going to land in the major leagues, I mean, that has to be part of the process, right? Yeah, I mean, we put ETAs on all our prospect profiles, so you can see, like, we expect this guy to be up in 2025. Sometimes you have to speed that up. I mean, and the player does that. You look at Julio Rodriguez last year. Yeah, I thought we thought. He was going to be like a second-half call-up. And then all of a sudden he shows up showing more speed than he ever had in the minor leagues. People thought we got it wrong, that he was faster in the minor leagues. He wasn't. He got faster last offseason. Did he really? Yeah, that was a thing he just focused on. He said, listen, I'm going to beat what you guys think I am. And the entire industry did. This was not just us saying we thought he was going to be an average runner. He became a plus-plus runner on his own. Right. So these guys expedite that route themselves. But it is something we think about. Like, the closer a guy is to the major leagues – the better we feel about his prospect profile, and he's less of a risk. Because it's also, it's not only the player themselves, it's the organizations. The organizations are matching these things up and lining themselves, these things up, and, and, and they, some of them won't admit it, but they'll be like, okay, this was the blueprint, this worked for this guy, and we're going we're gonna to take it that. And a lot of times, the, the initial reaction is to play it safe. But here's a question I have for you, and this is another thing we were just talking about, is that you have guys who the acceptance of organizations to get called up and contribute at a younger age more than ever. Am I, is that, am I wrong about that? I mean, it does feel like younger guys are getting chances more and more because they are cheaper options, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you can get, if you're the Mets and you can get Francisco Alvarez as your catcher and use him for the next three, four years before he gets to arbitration, that's a cheaper option than going out and signing a guy for five, $6 million who's going to produce at the same level. So we are seeing it tilt that way. Like when a Julio Rodriguez gets called right. up, it's because he was better than the outfielders and he's cheaper. And like we might as well use him now. And they have those changes in the CBA that allow for you to get draft picks if you start a guy on opening day. And also it's, 
you know, there's not this like, oh my goodness, you're throwing a 20 year old in a clubhouse or a 21 year old in a right. clubhouse. There's a more of, a, of an acceptance, right? Of I think the players there. If you're called up, I don't care if you're 20 or 21, whatever, you're here to help us. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it, the skills now, when you are 20 years old, are so much better than they were 20 years ago. Think mm-hmm. about that. Like, it, it took a while to develop players. Now, guys are playing at elite levels when they're 14, 15, 16 years old. They get in the minor league system, you hammer some stuff out already. But, like, they're really talented by the time they even reach this level, mm. at the lower levels of the minor leagues. So it's a little bit easier to call guys up. That being said, you have to allow for a little bit of adjustment period. Like Adley Rutschman last year mm-hmm. really struggled when he first came up. Julio Rodriguez really struggled. Bobby Witt Jr. didn't have a great first half last year. Now all three of those guys are either superstars or on the border of being superstars. Listen, this, I, this stuff is awesome to talk about because again, once again, this is more a lot of times more interesting than when, what the here and the now and what we know of players. It's the unknown. People like the unknown. People love team building, right? They love the unknown. They love it. This is why the NFL draft is so, so big. This is why the NBA draft is so big. So, there's a lot to pick through here. One of the other things I'm sort of curious is you, you, you go out and you interview these guys. A, a big topic of conversation I've had is the acceptance of guys showing their personalities, of guys being able to conduct an interview and, and showing their personalities and not being petrified. I remember um, – well, you know, I remember. So we just had this book come out, right? So the damn near perfect game. And Joe Kelly was talking about how he's like, you know, the rookie development program, they're almost like send the fear of God into you, at least back then. Um, do you find that having gone through this for a few years now, interviewing these guys, that these guys are better at it and more willing to open up? I do think they're a little bit more media trained right from the beginning. I mean, you look at it. In, in a bad way or a good way. I mean, because media trained can be like. It's a, it's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Like you see some of these guys who can give almost Jeter like answers, right? Yeah. Where it's just right when they're 18 years old, they know, oh, I'm just here working through the grind of the minor league season. That's great. You know, to answer that, it doesn't help me write my story. <laughs> On the other hand, though, you have Julio Rodriguez coming up. And looking like a superstar at the Home Run Derby last year. Yeah. That, that was the Julio Rodriguez we knew at every minor league stop. Nobody ever told him, hey, stop being J-Rod. <laughs> J-Rod's become a big thing right from the jump. And I think allowing those guys to have that personality come out a little bit more is, is good for the game. And it's good for the players and it's good for the teams. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. I remember when people were interviewing him. First of all, the performance was like, oh my goodness, the ball is coming off this guy's bat like nobody else in this competition but also everyone around him he was totally comfortable and i'll give you another one um some of the draft picks from last year uh, were at the all-star game tamar johnson tamar johnson tamar johnson, tamar johnson yeah. of the pirates um big personality right showed like at the draft show but then i remember him talking about mikey romero and and, and other guys there this kid this is a personality this is the personality that people want I mean, yeah. there was nothing guarded about him. I loved Termar Johnson. Yeah. I loved him, like, before the draft. I caught up with him at a, at a camp, at USA Baseball camp. And I said, hey, you're a candidate to go number one overall in the draft. What do you think about that? And he's like, honestly, that's great. If it happens, I'm not in it to be the number one overall pick. I'm in it to be a Hall of Famer. Oh, the guy was 17. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's and I was answer. like, well, that's, that's the lead answer. to this story. Yeah, yeah. But he – and then he – 
like played into that too. I mean, the elite hit tool is what stands out to everybody, but I remember watching him play at shortstop and second base and he's directing everybody out there. He knew if I want to be great, I need to be a leader and I need that personality to come through, not just in interviews, but on the field and allowing Tamar Johnson to be Tamar Johnson is how the pirates are going to get potentially a superstar and they need one. Yeah. I mean, this is another part about it is, is going out and playing and showing. And, you know, we talk about the major league baseball. We just interviewed jazz Chisholm and, and I was talking to him. We were, uh, part of the conversation was about shoes and cleats and how cleats are now. You actually are able to, to wear colors on cleats and design cleats where a couple of years ago you weren't able to. And he said, well, in the minor leagues, we weren't able to, but I did anyway. <laughs> and but so but that was the in 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 the minor leagues. I don't know if you see this. And in my league's of perception, it's much more regimented. It's much more militaristic. Uh, that's maybe the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Very, very organized. Like everybody, we want uniformed across the board. Um, but maybe, and in, in the in when they get to the major leagues, it's like, okay, I can be free. But is there is that the element of the minor leagues that they're loosening things up a little bit? Maybe a little bit. I mean, one thing that stood out to me in having a lot of conversations this spring is uh, I'm trying to ask guys from organizations of like, what is your philosophy? What are you trying to impart on everybody? A lot of the answers I'm getting back is like, we're trying to let the players drive that. Mm. We're trying to get like, what are you good at? And then we'll go from there. We're not trying to make you into necessarily a hard slider guy if you don't have it like that's going to mess with your development we want to take what you have and perfect that Mm -hmm. instead of trying to put this blanket statement now some of that you know there are some organizations that still do that i think everybody in the yankees organization puts together a sweeping slider at some point there is there is some of that but yeah yeah, but like going back to what you were saying about everything used to be so regimented in the minor leagues that comes from another r word which is routine right that's what they want you to get down is just have your routine down but if you can do that and come up and show out and be yourself. I mean, look at Tristan Casas. Mm, like, right. there, there were all sorts of stories this spring about people not liking him when he came up. Mm. But those were stuff that came from the minor leagues. He was doing that stuff in Worcester, in Portland. Right. Uh, and the difference is that when he gets here, you know, and I do think that there's an acceptance and there isn't that rookie hazing. There isn't that goes back to like, if you're up, you're up to contribute, you're up to help us. And there is still a little bit of the old guard, or let's go sit in the corner and don't talk, but there's not nearly as much of that. Um, All right, so this year, we'll do the here and the now, heading into this year. Rookie of the year, okay, rookie of the year, okay? This is I know this is a cliche question for the guy who covers the minor leagues, MLB Pipeline, but... um, who do you got? Like, give, give me, give me, give me your your picks. To, you don't have to do one. No, I'll do one. I'll do uh, one. Oh, 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 yeah. look, oh, look at you! Yeah. All right, no, all right, all right. This. Well, that's the thing is that I feel like I'm almost cheating because the guys from the American League and the guy from the National League are going to be our top two prospects. Okay. I mean, like, we believe it's in them that big enough. Yeah. It's not, yeah. So the guy in the AL is Gunnar Henderson, mm-hmm. the Baltimore Orioles third baseman, came up as a shortstop, could be really good at either spot, but they just really like him at third base. He could be an elite defensive third baseman. The swing decisions he makes are great. He has potentially plus plus power. I mean, he could hit 30 home runs this year, steal 20 bags, hit. 280, 290. I mean, we're talking about a 5-6 win player in a way that Adley Rutschman was last year. I think Rutschman's probably better over the long term because he plays a more centralized position and a more important position, but Henderson's going to be another long-term piece. Who's better long-term, him or Jackson Holiday? Henderson or Holiday? Yeah. I mean, right now we have Henderson, right? Like, that's yeah. the whole point. Yeah, I know the Holidays came out, but like, I'm like... Yeah. 
Like I, what I'm asking is, do you like the cut of his jib? Like, do I like Jackson Holiday? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love Jackson Holiday. Right. Okay. It was insane the the plate discipline he was showing last year, yeah. and people I talked to about him is just like, yeah. I mean, he comes from he's Matt Holiday's son. He grew up <laughs> around baseball. Nobody knows a ball and a strike better than he does at those lower yeah, levels. Yeah. And they've thrown him in the deep end. He's in major league clubhouses right now. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Which is insane. But he's grew up in them, so it's not a thing new. So before we get to your National League one, I want to ask you, you bring up the Orioles. And, you know, when the American League East conversation comes up, it's, yeah, the Orioles came on the second half of last year. Their plan is finally coming to fruition. Oh, my goodness, look at their farm system. You would know better than most. Is this the real thing? Like, when you look at the Orioles now, have they landed at a place where this is going to be sustainable, where they're going to be in the conversation for the division because they have the guys finally have come up and the farm system to do it? Yeah, I mean, I think they could be an 85-90 to 90 win team this year. But if you're talking about winning this division, yeah. I wish they were more active in the free agency market like they this was the offseason to do it mm-hmm. this is when they should have started pushing some chips in and just being like all right we're going to really improve our rotation and really you know add some pieces to the guys we have coming up like a grayson rodriguez like dl hall mm-hmm. henderson rushman they have another wave coming at triple a this year but they just needed to supplement it to get it into that 9500 win conversation i don't think they're there yet like with the yankees or the Blue Jays, but could they get a wild card spot past the Rays? Sure, I think that they're definitely in spot. Who, who, if you had to go through, I know I'm asking a lot of questions no, randomly. No, no. Uh, if you had to go through, sort of, the, we mentioned the Orioles. Okay, the Orioles have this wave of young players. Yeah. Uh, you know, every team is looking for that wave of young players to supplement. You know, we we're here sitting at JetBlue Park, the Red Sox. That's they're signing a bunch of one and two year contracts, hoping that the Cassises and the Myers and the Bayos and all these guys come up and do something. But what team do you feel like is the team that legitimately has the wave of young players that you say, okay, you know what? That's the foundation that is going to make this team good for a long time. I mean, Baltimore is the obvious one. And then two other ones are Cleveland. Cleveland, it feels like they draft college guys, and all of a sudden they gain three, four miles an hour, and they still have plus control. They do this every year. Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, I mean, they're just loaded with arms like that. They all fit the kind of Shane Bieber mold. Mm -hmm. Now, they're not going to be like Cy Young contenders necessarily like Bieber would, but they keep doing this, and that's how they compete with such a low payroll. Going at the other end, the Dodgers... I think a lot of people thought took a step back this offseason. They didn't. They weren't that active. Mm. They didn't make as many moves, especially compared to the Padres, obviously. But they've got guys that are right up knocking on the door. I mean, James Outman isn't a top 100 prospect because he's so old, but he should contribute to them. Miguel Vargas, Diego Cartaya is their best prospect. He's a catcher who's now on the 40-man. The Dodgers develop as well as anybody in the game mm. right now, and it doesn't matter where they draft or where they sign guys once they are in the system. They just have oodles of top 100 guys year after year after year, which is very difficult. One of the things that the GMs have told me, um, I did this exercise a couple of GM meetings ago about talking to Billy Epler, who was then the Angels. They just signed Trout. A.J. Preller had just signed Machado, his deal. Um, uh, Ryan Klintek at the Philadelphia had just signed Harper. And they said, you do those deals – 
And, and honestly, High and Bloom just talked about doing this. They said when we weren't able to equip to do it with a Mookie deal, but now we're able to equip to do it. And what I'm saying is that you have to, when you do those deals, those big deals, you have to have the farm system to support it. So when you look at what San Diego is doing, for instance, they're the perfect example. What the Mets are doing? Do those teams have like they're trading prospects all over the place? Right. So let's say San Diego. Well, do you, San Diego is. I, yeah. The Mets have done a really good job this offseason of just spending money. Right. And right. they haven't let go of Francisco Alvarez or Brett so, Beatty. Or so do they, do they have, do this, do, let's say San Diego. San Diego is obviously doing a thing a certain way, but are, do they have uh, the, the system, the guys coming up still, the embarrassment of Rich is still right. coming up? No, I think they're trying to like paper over that now mm-hmm. by getting a Juan Soto for multiple years. I think that's why they pulled the trigger on that when mm-hmm. they did. It wasn't necessarily to just compete last year. It's to get him for a long time. That emptied out their farm system. They have some really good guys left. I love Jackson Merrill. They're shortstop, but he only played single A ball last year. Dylan Lesko, their first-round pick, is coming off Tommy John surgery. It's going to be a while for him, and he's a high schooler. They have some upside guys. Now the Mets, I mean, Steve Cohen has talked about this. He wanted to improve the major league team while keeping the farm system intact, and they've done that. Mm -hmm. So I think the Mets are in a better job of – Supplementing the major league team with prospects than the Padres are, but you know you keep uh, Machado around, you add Bogarts. Like sometimes that's just not going to be a. Problem. Who is before? Like once again, before I get to the, your National League pick, who is yeah. in your mind? Who is the organization you say that team knows what they're doing when it comes to drafting and developing? Yeah, I think it's the Dodgers. I mean, I think it's just they they target these guys in the back end of the first round, the later ends of rounds. And they know exactly how they're going to plug into their system. And then you look up and you're like, how do the Dodgers have six or seven top 100 prospects? They're supposed to be drafting leader. What, what is everybody else missing on this? And I think they just do a really good job of identifying guys who will plug into their philosophies well. All right, here you go. National League, what do you got? Yeah, National League is Corbin Carroll, the outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, he might be the fastest player in the major leagues right now. Mm. He looked that way when he was called up to Arizona last year. Um, He was coming off a shoulder injury two years ago, so we didn't see that much about him. But his hit tool is really good. He almost looks like a coil at the plate. He just he looks like he's spring-loaded uh, the way he attacks the ball. He has more power than you would think, given his size. He looks, I think, like 5'10", 5'11", under 180 pounds. I mean, he doesn't look like a guy who's going to hit for power, but he gets enough torque behind it that he could be a 20-homer guy. And then if you're stealing 40 bags in a year, which you know we're now operating under new Major League rules, right. that's a possibility. He's a possible 300 hitter. The only thing for me is that the Diamondbacks have a lot of good center field prospects. So like, if he moves to left, mm. he could still be an elite defender out mm-hmm. there, but they have Alec Thomas playing center instead. That might ding him in like war evaluation but Mm. i mean he's going to be up there all year i think the d-backs are a sleeper in the nl west or just in the national league wild conversation he's going to get a lot of opportunities and he has the skills okay that was too easy (laughs) give me give me give me your number two your two two options in both the american league and national league yeah so I'll, i'll i'll go back to jordan walker i love jordan walker i know it's very easy for me to say that now after the four for four day he's yeah, had but yeah. like following this guy since the 2020 draft he was taken in that shortened round five round draft out of a georgia high school everybody thought this guy is huge like maybe he looks more like a basketball player or a football player can he hit enough and he's had extremely good exit velocities everywhere he's played, and that's continued. Double A last year, the Arizona Fall League. Now we're seeing it uh, in spring training. They've moved him to the outfield. I think he moves it pretty well. He's got a cannon for an arm. Mm-hmm. I know the Cardinals have a lot of outfield options, 
But like Jordan Walker is somebody you make room for, mm. whether it's trading a Dylan Carlson or making him your fourth outfielder, mm. moving around Lars Newbar or something like that. I, I just feel like Jordan Walker, if it's not opening day, like he could be this year's Julio Rodriguez jumping from double A to the majors. Mm-hmm. But if it's not opening day, it's going to be like a month because he's going to tear up triple A and force the issue. I don't think you're alone in that. Uh, what do you got in the American League? The American League, I'll stick with the Orioles again. I just really like Grayson Rodriguez, a guy who probably should have gotten a look at the end of last year, had an oblique injury, came back, but just kind of ran out of time. It's four really good pitches for him. He taught himself a changeup that is now plus-plus. He has really good control from a big frame. The only question for me is, he's probably going to open the year in the opening day rotation. <clears throat> is it What is it like winning a rookie of the year now as a pitcher? Like, are you going to get 150, 200 innings? Like, Spencer Strider competed for it last year in right. the NL. But that's going to be kind of difficult with innings limits and pitch limits for young arms like Grayson Rodriguez. But he has the capability. <coughs> he could be an ace for them pretty quick. Spencer Strider, by the way, Alex Anthopoulos came on the podcast, said he was the best pitcher that he has ever seen. Not the best pitcher, but the most best package yeah. that he'd ever seen. Like, right. the whole ball of wax. So Yeah, I mean, it was interesting for him because he was like, Debatably a top 100 prospect for us last year. We knew he threw hard. It's just, was he going to have control? And kind of the similar way with Julio. Like, he made all those adjustments just in time for him to graduate, and then we couldn't bump him up anymore. Like, that's just the way it works. Okay, so last question, and this is a fun one. Um, So, back before you were born in 2005, (laughs) uh, Theo Epstein on his hiatus had, had this event. And somebody asked him, it was a charity event, and somebody yelled down for the crowd, okay, who, who would, if you could start an organization with one player right now, who would it be? And he said Felix Fernandez back then, which was like great answer at that time. Um, we just had Buster Olney on. I posed a question for him. Um, I said, so my answer, now I factor in, obviously you're starting a franchise Age, you know, you, 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 the, the whole ball of wax. Right. And Sam, you don't run isolations for outfielders. I get it. You need nine players. But still, you have to pick someone. So I picked Julio Rodriguez. Okay, you stole my answer. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. well, I mean, but, you know, and Buster said, you're crazy, Shohei Itani, because I said, well, he's older. You know, the likelihood is that he's probably going to break down. He's like, well, if he breaks down doing one thing, he can do the other. Yeah. And then you enter the business side of things. So I get that. And most, and I, my uh, broadcast partner, Will Fleming, said, you're crazy as Juan Soto. But, so, but you would say Julio Rodriguez. I would say Julio Rodriguez because he's a bona fide center fielder. Mm. Like, I love Juan Soto, and I've loved him since he came up, and it was a quick rise to the minor leagues, and he's a legit MVP candidate every year. But he's a corner outfielder. Mm. Legit center fielders are so difficult to find. And that's why when we're evaluating prospects, we like to evaluate guys up the middle. Those are the guys who are going to move up quicker. Your shortstops, your catcher, your center fielders, they're going to rank higher because they have more value. Mm -hmm. Julio Rodriguez, like you said, is younger than Otani. You're going to get him for longer. Mm -hmm. I assume we're getting his Mariners contract as part of this. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, so so he's just somebody you can build around because if – he does slow down, then you move him to right field, and he's got the arm for that. He's electric. He's a great personality. He's instantly the face of any team. Which is place. another part of the equation, I think. I think that, and this is why Utani made some sense, the business side of it. Like, this is, 
you know, Otani, there's nobody better for business than Otani. Right. I get it. But, but you know what? Julio Rodriguez is really good for business, too. Yeah. No, he totally is. And he he leans into that. He embraces the, the spotlight. Mm-hmm. That's why I think he wanted to stay in Seattle is because, like, I can own this town. I can be the next Griffey, the next Ichiro. I mean, Ichiro was throwing in BP last year, and I don't think that was by accident. <laughs> I think that was because they all recognized, like, this is a passing of the torch moment. Yeah, Felix Hernandez was king of that area, too, but, like, they love their outfielders. They love their position players. They're guys who are out there every day. And I love Otani. Otani is great. But if I'm taking somebody for the next 10 years, I think Julio Rodriguez can win multiple MVPs and be as just a good a hitter as Otani plus a really good fielder. All right. Well, if I'm taking a writer for the next 10 years, it's you. So, <laughs> hey, all, right. all right, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.